Hello and welcome to Brain Trust Live number 472. This week on the podcast, the Ohio GOP taught us a lesson on how to drive turnout in an August election. And the sounds of sizzling pork chops and M&M lyrics filled the Iowa State Fair as GOP candidates descended for their food photo ops. Plus, Ron DeSantis continues to believe that his campaign's problem is his staff, not his personality. And the Arizona Senate race is going to be a fashion catastrophe. Plus, does it seem like every new piece of evidence in the Trump indictment is just a different person directly admitting to a crime? And Biden hasn't officially declared a climate emergency, but he has in his heart. We'll have all this and more. This is Brain Trust Live. Hey y'all, I'm Brent. I'm Lila, and you can find us on the web at www.braintrustlive.com. That's right. Welcome to our August election I know. extravaganza. Hey, yeah, we had an actual election this week. We had an actual election this week. What an week. exciting time to be alive. We are back from the abyss of Trump indictment news to report <laughs> on what's right. going on. I mean, we have more of that also. But. In election season. Well, <laughs> not a whole podcast worth. It's though. not a whole podcast worth, and <laughs> also... This is going to be an exciting podcast because this is the first week of the Iowa State Fair. Oh, yeah. So this is... You got to go flip some pork chops. It's The pork chop tent is alive and You got to look at the Caitlin Clark butter sculpture. That's right. <laughs> you got to do all those things. You got to do everything. But first, we've got to talk about an, a little bit of a, a, a sneak election, a sneak attack election. Yeah. That we kind of... That snuck up on America, I would say, but then turned out to have... It didn't sneak up on Ohioans. It did not sneak up on Ohioans. They were ready. It turned out to have exciting uh, results, and that's really all we're looking for. There was a referendum in Ohio, yeah. which maybe you heard about. Referendum one, I believe. Right. Well, it's like an August referendum. <laughs> right. What a... That was... So, here's the backstory. There are forces inside Ohio and America that are trying to use sneaky, like, referendum tactics to get abortion banned in places that it's not currently banned. Yeah. And so there's this uh, effort going on in Ohio to change the structure of their referendum system to essentially allow them to, you know, keep an abortion ban. Right. It would have, what it specifically was, was if passed, it would have made referendums have to get 60% to pass. Exactly. So Ohio is planning to put abortion rights on the ballot coming up soon. So state Republicans were like, well, let's just change the threshold that they would have to meet. Let's right. move it from 50 plus one to 60%. Because they want to do one of those referendums, where, or not referendums, they want to do one of those, um, uh, um, like a, a proposition where they enshrine abortion rights. Abortion rights, rights. right, exactly. And so they want to put that to a popular vote right. and find out that everyone, like they expected supports everyone having abortion rights because that's a massively right. popular opinion in America. Right. But it was also like, it was such an insane thing to do because like I, I, everybody knew what it was about. Everybody yeah. knew that it was about abortion. So I think they maybe thought that they could sneak it that way. But it was also sort of like, it was a vote to remove your own rights as a voter. Exactly. Right? Because you were basically like making yourself less powerful in every future election that had a ballot measure on where it's... it was going to have to pass by 60%. And in Ohio, What's passing by 60%? Nothing. Nothing. So, it's like, a deadlock state. <laughs> right. So it was just a silly thing to do, and it went down in flames, but more so, I think, than a lot of people thought, which is silly because, like, every time that there's been anything that has to remotely do with abortion, it has come out in favor of, you know, abortion right. rights as opposed to... Um, yeah, it's... Well, I mean, Kansas is a perfect example of this right. because in Kansas, they very cleverly and I think appropriately framed the attempt to strip people of abortion rights 
as a removal of their sort of freedoms essentially it was yeah. you know it was it was it was framed as the the group that spearheaded the vote there was called Kansans for Constitutional Freedom and it right. was about yeah. you know protecting people's freedoms that was the whole framing of the vote and that is a <clears throat> actually really easy way to get voters to the polls to protect their bodily autonomy because right. it really is an issue of you know that's about your your own freedom over your own body but they they keep this is this is why I feel like Republicans should ha not have let themselves win on this issue. Because the backswing on it is going to be a nightmare for them. This is a this is this Ohio referendum, this is a Trump held state, by the way. Like Trump won Ohio in the right. last election. The, no one by fourteen points in this race. The, yeah, they could have close. beat the threshold that they were Almost. setting they out. Were very yeah, they were very to close to beating right. the threshold well, and that, that was they the set other out thing that, to that was the other thing that I think people set. were rightly pointing out was disingenuous about this was that they were trying to move the goal line to 60% on a ballot measure that only had to get 50%. Yeah. <laughs> so no, so the whole operation was didn't make any sense in the first place. No. Also. It's it's just sort of like <laughs> like a slim majority maintaining their right to block things essentially. Yes, exactly. It doesn't allow for you to do anything. No. Yeah. Um but this is the the sort of like main message here I think we should all take away. And my mom says this all the time. Just like people don't like sneaky shit that no. that cheats them. They don't like being cheated. No. And this cheats you of your vote. Yes. And so anything that you put on a ballot thinking to yourself, I'll cheat people out of the, you know, the the sort of the understood, you know, system that allows a majority to determine the policy is yeah. a thing that people are no matter what party they're from are going to go to the polls and be like absolutely not. Right. 100%. And so this is a political loser always for them. And they now they've been trying it all over the place. I know. They, they, they do better when they have to keep fighting against yeah. this as opposed to, be, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, this turns people out to the polls. <laughs> right. People worrying about the lives of unborn children gets their voters to the polls. But what does not seem to have registered with them is those lives, those unborn lives that aren't real yet being protected also means that a, a huge motivating factor that gets their electorate out to the polls is has disappeared and instead in its place you have all these people who are like don't cheat me asshole right, don't take my rights away. don't take right. my rights away yeah, exactly it motivates yeah. their opposition to get out to the polls and as we've said many times the abortion conversation was never about abortion they don't fucking care about your <laughs> unborn child like sorry about it they don't this is all a distraction tactic to get conservatives to the polls so that they can go and like cut their own taxes and shit <laughs> sure like none of this has to do with your bodily autonomy that's a that's a will that's a price they're willing to pay yeah. they're willing for you to lose your bodily autonomy because they don't fucking care about women in order to get you to the polls to vote for rich people to have tax breaks right. so and for like us to cut you know yeah, medicare sure. funding and things like that yeah that's what all this is about and so you know to lose the distraction of it is so dumb i know yeah uh, i i I'm curious to see how this plays out politically because there was a, a big article, um, I believe it was in Politico anyway, but talking about like how the Biden administration and the Biden campaign is specifically now feeling like the results from this and some of the other results maybe sort of like open up the map to them a little bit in the presidential yeah. election, like because some other states are going to vote on this, I think, or are mad about this specifically, like North Carolina is specifically pissed about this because they had that woman who changed parties from Democrat right. to Republican yeah. and then voted to, you know, now they have some sort of abortion ban there um, and and a few other places. And I just feel like I, I, I think that they need to be mindful of maybe that not working. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, 
maybe I think a lot of people think maybe that's why we did better in the midterms than we could have was this issue was motivating to Democrats. But like, also, of course, we lost the House in the midterms. Uh, right, so we how lost well the House did we the, do? Right, exactly. And also, you know, in places like Kansas, in that actual election, people voted for abortion rights and Republicans all over the place on that ballot. Yes. They elected a mitt full of Republicans while they voted for abortion rights. Yeah. And we've seen can't, places do that all over. You know, I mean, uh, Florida voted for a $15 minimum wage all while voting for Donald right, Trump. Right, they tried and to Ron give felons their right to vote back while right. they were busy voting for... So, like, I just... People will go and vote for abortion rights and for Donald Trump on the same ballot mysteriously. And I can't explain it, but they're doing it. People are doing weird things when There's, faced with the opportunity no to vote. No one is voting for Donald Trump because they've taken a hard look at consistent policies he's advocated right. and thought to themselves, <laughs> that's what I stand for. Right. They are voting for Donald Trump because they are like, the guy from The Apprentice is rich and seems <laughs> right. successful. And I would like us to not strip me of my bodily autonomy. Yeah, I know. I, and I also just think that, like, you know, we've talked on this podcast a lot about sort of how we felt like the, the response from the Biden administration to the Supreme Court decision was paltry at best. Yeah, right? it was like, we're with and you. So, so I think cool. that, like, they also, like, if they think that their plan is to just go out there and be like, Republicans are bad on this, and then their only plan is to maybe just, like, I don't know, hope Clarence Thomas dies or something, so they right. get another Supreme Court judge. Like, you have to, like, nobody is going to go to the polls and think to themselves, Joseph Robinette Biden is going to save our abortion rights. Certainly, he's had plenty of opportunities. Well, he's had an entire career in the Senate trying to do just the opposite. Right. So, I just. Yeah, we're in a real Tim Kaine situation. <laughs> I right just now. think that they should. You know, be mindful of thinking that all of a sudden now they're going to be win, be able to win in Ohio just because of this. When I don't think that that's actually the case. This is like so often their strategy on issues where they have had an opportunity to maybe show some like meaningful action. Like I think about this all the time when it comes to Black voters because they oftentimes like you know you'll hear you know Democrats, especially as they're trying to win Southern states and things like that going on about how there's no other choice for black voters and black voters are their base and blah, blah, blah. But they like don't ever offer any meaningful policy that would actually do something to improve the lives of black voters. And they go on and on about how Republicans are bad for black voters, but they, they don't do anything good for them. And this is like the same thing with abortion. They're just like, well, yeah, no, we also no, are mad. They do it all it's the like, time. It's like, yeah, we're they're all running mad. Against, they're talking about how Republicans want to cut your social security. Social they, have, security right. they have no plan that they have put forward as a party to expand social security, Republicans to want to take it, away to your fund healthcare. it, to do anything. Right. When, when is the last time that they expanded our health? They did the Obamacare situation. Well, we're about to talk about how right. we're the Obamacare. Right. A lot of people are losing their health care right now. But like, yeah. what have they actually done recently that like expands access to health care? Yeah. Nothing. That's the thing. I mean, Democrats are really great at being like, you know, if you were standing on the side of the road and you are saying to somebody, I need $10 to stay alive. And the Republican... Right drives by you and gives you zero dollars. They didn't help. Right. And the Democrat drives by you and sort of like gives you a nice smile and two thumbs up. Like, they didn't do anything either. Right. And like, <laughs> they're like doing that all over the, like, yes. I'm still not any better off. No, like, exactly. You you were nice to me. Right, well, it's, but, but like, I feel like they will take these issues that they know are wedge issues and they're just giving us thoughts and prayers on them. Right. Which is all the Republicans are doing, too. Everyone's right. just sending us thoughts and prayers. But it's, <laughs> right. you know, like gun violence, perfect issue. example. Right. Like, they're incensed instead of being happy about whatever mass shooting is going on. <laughs> but, like, if you're not going to use that in incension, incensedness to... I mean, incension is a word I'm about to make happen, by the way, you guys. <laughs> I love it. Um, but if you're not going to use that incension to yeah. motivate 
someone to do something to improve our ability to restrict gun access to, you know, people that are committing mass shootings, then, like, you haven't actually done anything. Yeah. And they don't even, like, what's so crazy to me is they don't even think that they owe us the the paltry, like, attempt at coming up with a plan. They are just like, yeah. we're mad too. <laughs> I know. Like, if we're all just mad together, can someone do something? Right. Well, you're or in just, charge. Right, you're Currently, in charge. Right. right. Yeah. Like, you're not going to sit around and tell me that it's because of Republicans that you couldn't do anything when, for most of your presidency, you had both the House and the Senate. Right. Like, sorry about Joe Manchin, but, like, threaten him. Yeah. Like, don't tell me that that's my fault that he's blocking things. We just have difficult personalities to deal with. That's politics. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. In any case, yeah, uh. I, like, I'm curious to see what, besides everyone just being mad about losing their right to an abortion, what right. else are they suggesting we do? Right. Do they, do they find Joe Biden to be their answer to that? Yeah. Well, and this is the other problem that we have with, the, name one election that Democrats have been involved in recently where we have not in some way supported someone who has a long history of opposing abortion rights. Like (laughs) Hillary Clinton, despite knowing that women's issues were like her calling card. Right. And I have griped about that forever, but picks Tim Kaine, famous abortion hater, pro-lifer, as her running mate, just to slap us all in the face and tell us we all fucking suck. was in favor of... The Hyde Amendment. Right, the Hyde Amendment and um, a, what was it, 20 weeks or what was it? Yeah, I mean, a 20 week was, abortion. Yeah, she right. was advocating that that we shouldn't allow third trimester abortions. Yeah. Pete Buttigieg understands why we should allow third trimester abortions <laughs> right. and he's a complete idiot and an asshole. <laughs> like, that's unbelievable to me. But then we, you know, we, we take, we lose that election in tragic fashion. Yeah. And our next candidate is like the other Tim Kaine of the Senate. <laughs> right, no. Like, get all the way out of here. And <laughs> then... That Joe Biden presides over us, overturning Roe v. Wade. And can you name one thing that's happened since? Like, is there, aside from states, you know, enshrining abortion rights into their own state constitution, has the federal government done shit about this? No. And they, now we're going to walk around listening to them talk about how they are disappointed. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We're disappointed. Everyone's disappointed. Everyone's disappointed. Um. Oh, boy. You know what I'm not disappointed about is how exciting the Iowa State Fair is so I far. I know. Always. That's the uh-huh. Iowa State Fair, which, if you are not a politico, might sound like not an interesting state fair to you. Um, well, it's the is, best state fair in the land, is, regardless is, of whether right. you're a politico. So also, if you're we not have, a politico and you like to have fun, then right. you should be going to the yeah, Iowa State Fair, we've too. been to so, the Iowa State Fair. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. <laughs> um, I, I feel like more so, it's like more that like I would say coastal states don't have the same state fair culture. So That's like you wouldn't true. even know you're looking for the best state fair. Like I would can I believe that Iowa is the best one. I just like wouldn't even have thought to look for one until I went. Right. Um, <laughs> so sure. I but but the Iowa State Fair is special for reasons beyond just being a fun state fair state yeah. fair because the Iowa State Fair is a political event, a, a, the political event of the season in a right. presidential year, and we were worried. Yeah, you don't get to be the president if you don't go to the if Iowa you don't state go to the fair. Iowa State Fair. Yeah. We were worried because of all the drama around the caucuses that there would not be the same level of fun and flirty oh, no. fanciness. <laughs> fun flirty fanciness. Um, at the uh, Iowa State Fair. But the GOP has really come to play. Yeah, I mean, they're still doing their caucus. So they're yeah. they're doing it right. Yeah. Um, we've had some gems in the... We have. In the news cycle of the last yes. week. We have Vivek Ramaswamy rapping Lose Yourself by Eminem. Eminem, yeah. Which we had footage of previously, I guess. I think from him, like, in college or something. Yeah. He fancies himself a rapper. I don't know if he has another song that he does. Because I that's, think that's also what he was doing then. 
too, if I'm not mistaken. Well, and nothing wins over Iowa voters. That's like, what they're looking uh, for. Like rapping. That's exactly what they're looking for. Especially, yeah, the especially classic the state, state fair, fair crowd. Too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, there is video of it. You should look it up. It's, it's him. Like, I saw the tweet that friend of the podcast, Grant Sloss, sent to all of us mm-hmm. featuring this rap. And I thought to myself that it would be maybe like a half-hearted attempt to quote Eminem. Oh, yeah, no. He's doing a full no, performance doing... of and Lose listen, Yourself. It could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> there, yeah. He could have picked a song with racism. He could have. You know, I, there, there were so many, <laughs> there were so many risks. That yeah. Once you're performing a song for the voters of the Iowa State Fair. Um, yeah. You have a lot, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of missteps you can make. Yeah, for the exactly national right. news cycle. Yeah. And listen, this wasn't one of the great four steps that you could make, but <laughs> no. it could have been worse. Yeah. Um, there was also <laughs> the excitement of people telling Mike Pence that they're glad we didn't hang him. <laughs> Mike Pence and has been on a that. Did real... you watch the video of that, yes. by the way? Also, yes. so casual. So like, Mike, casual. Like, you know, a gaggle following Mike Pence, you know, and this guy's just sort of like, glad they didn't hang you. Yep. <laughs> like, Mike Pence has really been putting up with uh, some wildly casually threatening statements. Yeah. And listen, I'm no Mike Pence fan. I'm not no. here to explain Mike Pence to you. Right. But I am, It. he is going to have to be the anti-Trump candidate. Yeah. Because he it's is the helping. only person being threatened in this I was casual say, kind. Yeah, you know. it's he's being helped by all of this. Yes. I, think, I mean he's being hurt by it in the sense that I still don't think he really knows what to do with it. Right. But like you know there was oh what I, we didn't pull it but there was like some article where like I think parts of the internet you know the Pence fan club if one exists like yeah. they're, they're talking about dark Pence oh, right yeah. sort of like like a dark Brandon off, like meme the dark of my Brandon Pence. thing right because like he is sort of like he's pushing back. In yes. the way that, like, he has the ability to. I think one of those articles that I was reading, like, said he's, like, a 70-year-old who's trying Viagra for the first time and it's still not working. <laughs> right? So it's, like, he's he, he's just, he's on the precipice. I and also, I'm not saying that he's going to win or even challenge. But I feel like if he really leaned in to right. the dark pence. He could be in a conversation. He could, right. Like, this should be his Joker era. Yes. Right? Like. Have you worried? I worry about the fact that part of what made the dark Brandon meme possible mm-hmm. was that Joe Biden looks great in aviators. <laughs> sure. So there were good images of him looking yeah, cool. Right. Somehow Mike, or another, he can pull off looking like a badass. Yes. And he always has been. And that's, that, that's been part, part of, of his, his charm. Bra- it's part of his charm. It's yeah. been part of his brand this whole time. Yeah. And it was what made him a great vice president. Because <laughs> the right. vice president, as that's we learned from do. Deep, doesn't do anything. Yeah. But you got to pose in a lot of different places looking cool. And mm-hmm. Joe Biden... Looks cool in aviators. Super cool at that. He's got a nice smile. You know, it's so Mike Pence, the most uncool person potentially ever to have run for literally anything. Right. No one has ever been more uncool than yeah. Mike Pence. And that I do worry that like a like a dark Pence meme won't have the imagery necessary to pull itself together. Yeah, I agree. Like a dark the dark Pence meme is only interesting because of Dark Brandon, a meme that Joe Biden's aviators pulled off. Right. That's right. Like so Yeah. So that's and who's gonna make these memes also? Well they don't have any graphic designers on the right. I, we've learned that no. the hard way multiple times. Yeah. So that's also gonna be a concern. Um Ron DeSantis got shut down at a very small event by two women with a uh, a megaphone just yelling pudding fingers at him. <laughs> they literally had to shut this event down. I mean, this was uh, not at the fair. Ron but it was DeSantis is so embarrassing. I, <laughs> I can't even. There has not been one moment of footage of him in Iowa that hasn't been horrendously embarrassing. Oh my god! I Every know. single time he interacts with an Iowan, yeah. It and listen, we're not talking about the coolest, suavest 
people on earth that he's interacting with I mean, here. We're I'm talking about there, Republican voters in Iowa. I mean, <laughs> right. like, we're not, this is not a high bar he's failing to reach. No. But, like, this is, a, this has been an atrocious run of just yeah. the most embarrassing snippets of he does not know how to laugh like a human. He doesn't know how to interact no. with children or adults like a human. No. And he's just, like, getting trolled by like random of, ladies. Like, this is I know. so awkward. None of, none of him is human. None of it. Even just, like, there was, like, a clip of him, I think, doing an awkward laugh, but, like, also sort of, like, wiping his face weird. Have you yeah, seen this yes, one where yes. he's sort of, like, like, every, it's why, all off. Why can't... He also has the arm problems. He has the got, standing problems. And, like, listen, Mike Pence has developed those as well, and we know that Donald Trump is a longtime practitioner of awkward <laughs> arms, but, like, for some reason, Ron DeSantis has taken the art form to a new level. Yeah. It's like, you know what it's yeah. like? It's like if he was, a like, a... It's like if his arms were like mermaid arms. Like he, like imagine being a mermaid and getting legs for the first time. Uh, he has the like feeling Ariel. of he's like Ariel, but for arms. <laughs> he has Ariel arms, where he like doesn't know. It's like he's never encountered them before. He doesn't know how to move them. And yeah, everyone else, listen. This is a problem of shapewear. We learned that oh, from yeah, the internet. Did, yeah. These these are shapewear. men wearing shapewear. Right. They don't. And, um, Lifts also and lifts. Heels. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis looks like he's levitating all the time. <laughs> yeah, but like the Ron DeSantis arm issues are related to a wardrobe choice he's making. Wouldn't it be better to just look fat and like have your arms? Yeah, it's like just to look. I mean, Chris Christie's doing it. <laughs> Sorry, just... I had to. I don't know. <laughs> Turning into I mean... Donald Trump over here, who was making fun of him. Oh, what was that video oh, yeah. this week? <laughs> <laughs> Where he said Chris Christie can't come, he's busy eating or something like that. I don't know what it he was about. He still thinks that the Chris Christie eating humor is... He's going to do Chris Christie fat jokes until the end of time. Yeah. And I... But listen, Chris Christie looks significantly more human than Ron well, DeSantis. the thing. Significantly I... more. Yes, and 100%. Chris Christie's not one of my favorite human imp- improvisers. No. And he's also... <laughs> and he, I mean, that's a man who doesn't know how to sit on a chair, no, as we've a... seen um, He's awkward. In he's an awkward man. Yeah, right. But he's not... Awkward in that he's never encountered his own limbs before awkward. <laughs> That's right. It's just such a confusing look. Yeah. And the the whole well, DeSantis like family a, has it. It's like a recognizable version of someone like standing. Yes. The whole DeSantis family has the arm issues. His wife also has That's them. Weird. It's like it's contagious somehow. Interesting. And like that's I wondered if maybe Mike Pence developed them after CPAC. Uh, like I it was like it, he caught it from Ron DeSantis. <laughs> but in any case, I just like I can't take him seriously if he's not going to have even 10 minutes of footage of himself anywhere in the world looking like he knows how to interact with yeah, people. totally. That's not I you. As being the president is, running for president is just theatrical appearances mm-hmm. places. That's why Donald Trump is so good at it. And he also doesn't have use of his arms. No. But like, in any case. Um, also, why is Marianne Williamson at the caucus? <laughs> I mean, at the, I at the fair. I know. There's no caucus. God bless her. Democrats don't need to be anywhere. I mean, but just live your life. Also, I will say the one thing that was frustrating to me about the state fair coverage was that normally that's an opportunity for us to make fun of how awkward and weird all the candidates are for president. Uh, yeah. There's no Democrats in the news cycle because they canceled the caucus. And it's like, are we just going to seed every pork chop photo to Republicans for yeah. the, till the end of time so that yeah. they get two free weeks of news coverage where we have nothing we can do to compete? Because yeah. what are Democrats going to do during the Iowa State Fair? They're not taking dumb photos of themselves eating. Nobody no. wants to see them just speaking to people. No. 
Like, no one wants to see photos of them doing anything. No one wants to see photos of any of these people doing anything. The state <laughs> fair gives you an opportunity for them to take, like, awkward mid-bite of a pork chop photos yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, it's it's like where you find out about whether they have human eating habits. It's, mm-hmm. it's you get to you get to learn some gossip at the yeah. state fair. And if the Democrats are not going to have anything to gossip about, I don't know how they're going to compete in the news cycle. I agree. And I kind of miss that. I do, too. Those photos of Pete Buttigieg eating a pork chop. Eating literally every single food every item other, that is offered to yeah, people are at the Iowa State em- Fair. Yeah. Emblazoned in my mind. Yeah. And I miss them. Yeah. Um, Mike Pence, speaking of, though, he yeah. made the debate. Good for we him. We said he was going to. And he bucked up and found, he I don't did. know where he found those donors, but he found them. Well, I think he probably found some Never Trump people yeah. after the indictment. Yeah, maybe. Which is yeah. what we said what happened. So I'm going to go with that's what happened because that allows us to say that that's yeah. that we were right about it. He also <laughs> Even though we have no proof announced that he right had met the it. criteria in a way that made it seem like he was doing us a favor by meeting the criteria. I know. <laughs> he said, I'm more than happy to meet the criteria. Yeah, everyone's more than happy to meet the criteria. <laughs> oh, hey, oh, no. This was in regards to the pledge, though. Oh, this was the pledge. <laughs> but it's still a ridiculous thing It's still thing a ridiculous say. statement. It still I'm more than happy to meet the criteria. Yeah. He says, I'm confident I'll be able to support the Republican nominee, especially if it's me. It won't be. I, I, lo- I love this. I'm confident that I'll be able to support... Uh, I'm confident that I'll be able to support myself. Right, exactly. <laughs> right? Like, I'm confident that I'll be able to. I'm not 100% certain. Right, but I'm, but I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm confident that if I'm the nominee, then I'll be able to move <laughs> forward with myself. <laughs> he joins um, seven other people who've qualified. Yeah. Although, we'll see if Donald Trump actually qualifies, because he's not signing the loyalty he's pledge. He's not signing the pledge. Yeah. It's him. Uh, his response was better, obviously, because obviously. his response to everything is better. Yeah. But he said, why would I sign it? I can name three or four people that I wouldn't support for president. So, right, there's a the problem. <laughs> But then he wouldn't tell us who. No, he wouldn't tell us who. He did say that he likes Tim Scott and uh, Ramaswamy because they have been very nice. Oh, so it's all the people who've not insulted him yet on the... Right. Because Vivek Ramaswamy is running as if Donald Trump has never existed and never will exist. Right. He's running his own concert series that's just like (laughs) Mm -hmm. independent of Donald Trump. Yeah. And Tim Scott is, I think, doing a really impressive amount of money laundering, which probably has helped Trump sort of see a kinship. No, yeah, probably. So I think that's probably yeah. very nice. Um, he's not even announced yet, Trump, whether he'll participate in the debate. Right. It seems like he's waiting he won't till the be last minute. <laughs> if he's if I were him, I wouldn't show up. Yeah. Like, what's what does he have to gain by standing on stage with Ron DeSantis? I agree. And, he's ahead by forty-five points. Right. It's like and like Doug Burgum. Like, get out of here. Yeah. Like these are not real contenders at the moment. No, I agree. And he doesn't, being in their league doesn't benefit him because he's running a different race. No, I completely agree. But, I mean, I'm annoyed that the Democrats aren't having debates because, like, it's just annoying to me. I would like yeah. Joe Biden to have to debate. I would contend that it would probably make him better if he had to. Yeah. But also, like, if I were Joe Biden, I'm not no. getting on a stage with, with RFK Mary and, Jr. With RFK, and Robert. Right. I mean, like, you know. No, I'm not going to look like a I can't blame him. Loser. No, it's annoying and feels yeah. anti-democratic, but also like, so yeah. I mean, like, right. What? <laughs> also, this is going to be one of the great undercard debates of American history because oh. Oh, without know. Trump there, it really is an undercard debate. It's just an undercard debate. Yeah, and it's here's who's attending so far. It's Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. who is going to be a deer in headlights that whole time, oh and it's God. gonna he's gonna look so awkward. It's gonna be amazing. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy, mm-hmm. who's gonna be the Andrew Yang of the stage. Yeah, he's gonna be charismatic and he's gonna say pithy things or whatever, and he's gonna yeah. be a he's gonna look like the internet. He's gonna be like the internet came to the debate. Yeah. Um, 
There's uh, Tim Scott, who yep. no one's heard a word from and has no idea what he's up to. Or Except whether... the people of Iowa, who Except apparently the... heard all the words from Oh, him. yeah. He's like running a series. Well, he's got all that money. <laughs> right. That's... He's just running ads in Iowa. Yeah, I don't even know if ads. he's showing up anywhere. He's just running ads either. all over Iowa. Yeah. Um, you have Doug Burgum, who mm-hmm. no one will remember before or after this debate. That's right. Uh, you have Nikki Haley, who mm-hmm. no one has talked about since she declared. She was the no. first one to declare, and that was the last time that we talked about her. You have Mike Pence, who is made of wax and is going to be... I would say, of, of part of the no-arms contingent yep. in the debate. And then Chris Christie, who's just going to go scorched earth on everyone. That's what I was going to say. I feel like, especially if Trump is not there, yeah. although I would say maybe if he got a chance to go at Trump, that would sort of like give him some gravitas. But <clears throat> right. I, I would, I think Chris Christie wins this oh, debate. by a mile. Right? Because he will sort of like, he'll be the Trump of the debate in the sense that he'll just sort of like he'll lay waste roll. with yeah. everyone. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just sort of like anytime somebody he's says something. He's just, so he's going to have better lines. Like Trump's lines are funny because so they're weird non sequiturs, yeah. but Chris Christie is actually smart. Right. He's evil, but he's smart. No, I think and, this debate will help him a, and it, a great deal, actually. It will lay waste fully to Ron DeSantis, who's already eighty oh. percent wasted. You but like, he is going to show up with the sole intention of ending him. Yeah, and because some of these guys he probably doesn't care much about, no. and he's What's maybe he, on the same. Going to talk to like, Nikki Haley, who right? Cares? I was going to say, but like he will be going for DeSantis specifically because yeah. DeSantis will be winning of the people who show up if yeah. Trump doesn't go, and Chris Christie in a debate battle with Ron DeSantis as a not a fair fight. No, it's not. Well, I also feel like they both represent a similar culture of brash, misogynistic assholery that's informed by the tri-state area. But like Ron DeSantis is like an off-brand of that because he's from Florida. So he thinks he's swimming in those waters. And against all odds and reason, Chris Christie somehow plays likable in in events like this. He's very charming. charming and funny and he'll have the zingers, yeah. and they'll be good. Yeah. Like, yeah. He had won over the entire Democratic delegation of New Jersey when he was governor. Oh, well, yeah. I never true. heard yeah. one person in New Jersey say an unkind word about him <laughs> until he was no longer the governor of New Jersey. Right. At which point, everyone was like, what an idiot. <laughs> but, like, the, the there, he is, he's very charismatic. We've seen him at Politicon. I remember oh, yeah. him, you know, remember we, we kind of followed like a, oh, yeah, we, a press, yeah, we did. you know, huddle of I him down the hall that. and he and was we, joking with reporters. And we immediately were like, we get this it. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, forgot about that. It's yes. easy to understand what the deal is with him if you see him with the people who frame him for the rest of us. Yeah. The reason, he's very charismatic. And I, Trump is also very charismatic. I think that's partly why he does so much better than everyone expects him to all, while he's saying the most insane shit you've ever heard in your life. But like, I, I think that... Ron DeSantis and him are like swimming in similar waters, except that Florida is like off-brand New York. There is he's never going to beat a New Jersey resident at his own game, no. you know. No. So he's going to think he's coming to a fair fight, and he's not going to have no. shown up at one. <laughs> no, like, uh-uh. yeah. So that'll be fun. That'll I'm be very exciting. It's and soon. It's coming up very it's soon. Very it's soon. Twenty third. And at least three of these people will be people that you cannot pick out of a photo lineup before or after this debate. <laughs> That's right. Like, if Doug Burgum showed up at our door right now, mm-hmm. would you know? No. I, I've seen a million photos of him. I've okay. never once retained what he looks like. Yeah. He's like the Michael Bennett of... Oh, my God. I re- that, that, there was like, you know those end of year New York Times, can you name these faces things? <laughs> I got like oh, an almost this. perfect score. And Michael Bennett, who... I have a friend who worked on his first campaign. Like, I have seen pictures of him throughout the years. Yeah. A picture of him came up and I was like, I've never seen this man before in my life. <laughs> 
mean, it was just pathetic. <laughs> um, but in any case, speaking of trashing Ron DeSantis, he has replaced his campaign manager. Oh. Um, third major reshuffle of this operation. Right. Things are After they just laid fast. off, like, what was it? Something like 30% of their, of their staff. Their, yeah, yeah, they uh-huh. laid off a third of their staff. Yeah. Um, I don't know how he gets out of this hole. And we told you that the, that early lead is a curse. If you're, oh, yeah, for sure. you know, it's like if if you're running in 2016 oh, and it's yeah. 2013 and you're in the lead, you're not going to be in the lead no. in 2014. I'm going to. I don't know um, why I just use those years as an example, <laughs> but it just, I, you know why? Because there was a piece that was published in 2013, or there was a, um, a series of pieces that were published in 2013 saying that Hillary Clinton would be the president. Oh, yeah, she was right. a shoo-in. Uh-huh. And we wrote the piece taking down that ideology yeah. on the Brain Trust Live blog in 2013. Yeah. And I think about it all the time. Yeah. Because by 2014, it was clear she was not going to really be the slam dunk candidate that we thought. And we stayed with it anyway. Yeah. And then it turned out that that was a losing strategy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, on um, Real Color Politics, which is a great place to like look at daily polls right. and things that are coming out or whatever, one of the things that they do is when you click on the 2024 Republican presidential nomination polls, it tells you who on this day in previous elections oh. was winning the presidential election. Tell me and everything. I, well, it was Trump in 2015 at this point, okay. and then it was Romney who was basically, I mean, right. you know, that was not surprising. But in 2007, do you care to venture a guess as to who it was 2007 okay we were just talking about this person we were just it was mike huckabee no no okay it was um well you know how i always go with mike huckabee um oh my god okay 2007 Uh is the 2008 election yes that's the pre-funny farm of 2012 election Uh um that is no i have no idea giuliani unbelievable (laughs) by a lot Unbelievable. Yeah. What a what a fact. Uh-huh. What a time. I know, isn't that good? And I am deep in my history of Giuliani era I as know a you person yeah. right now. Uh-huh. Well add that to the the list. Add that to the list of yeah. Yeah. Um but I just this is all and I get if things aren't working out, you have to try shit. I get yeah. it. It's just yeah. sort of like you try all of this stuff before you quit, obviously. Right. I get it. You know? Yeah. But you know but then you it's quit. just <laughs> but then you quit and you realize you're not cracked up to no. do this and maybe no. you don't realize that if you're Ron DeSantis because this I is do, an early lead like is, this is a real curse yeah and also just like he's bad at this well and he's bad and, at and it. Uh, you know I, it's just Have like the that's the thing you know who it was working for him known this like I'm so confused when this happens because I'm like yeah I get why I didn't know I don't care about right. fucking Ron DeSantis right I don't follow speeches that he gives or like I've never been to an event of his right. but like if you live in Florida haven't you heard about how bad he is? <laughs> I know. And this is like, you know, I mean, I hate to quote Donald Trump, but we've said versions of the same thing before. I, you know, like, what is needed is a personality transplant. Mm-hmm. And like, this new campaign manager campaign manager, uh, is not going to supply one of those to the candidate. No. Like, that's not a thing that like... <clears throat> it's, it's the one thing you can't have. <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah. And that's... It's also, it's a group of people who didn't take seriously the the only thing that's holding Republican politics together, but is also the only thing that's holding any politics together right now, which is that campaigns are theater. Oh, I know. If you're not going to look to your candidate with an eye to, can this person perform the theatrical tasks that will be asked of them, <laughs> then you're not looking for the right qualities in a candidate. Yeah. Especially on the Republican side, nobody fucking cares what they stand for. No, that's 100% true. Just... Say yeah. anything. Just say whatever the meanest that. thing that you can think of yeah. is. That's yeah. what people stand yeah. for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, Michael Cohen is now talking about running for <laughs> Congress. And not just in any district, but in a district I know quite well. I know. It's the district I grew up in. Yeah. It's the district that well, I... it's a new district. It's a new district, but it's... 
It's the bounds of a district that right. I... The, the, it's Jerry Nadler's district. Yeah, it's the district that the it's new York, district that pitted Jerry Nadler and, and Carolyn Maloney, Maloney in twenty two. It's the, the uptown the and midtown Manhattan, Manhattan district, yeah. and it's which he does live in. He well, listen, that's <laughs> the one thing you need, I guess. Well, I guess not even. What well, I was gonna say, not everybody's doing no, that. No, you don't yeah. have to do that. Um, I just this is like announcing that you know you're running to be the next Beyonce. Like it's <laughs> it's like not a real. No, he's not gonna win it. He's too ridiculous of a person. But also, and, this district is so heavily Democratic. Right, and this di- right, and he's claiming that he's going to run as a Democrat. Good luck. But I know. I, the one thing that I will say about this, and Michael Cohen is not the person who I have concerns about in this way, because yeah. he's too ridiculous of a person, and he himself is tied too closely to Trump, and he's spent, you know, 13 months in prison yeah. as Trump's fixer, and, like, he's got too many problems like, to yeah. win a primary against Jerry Nadler. I will say, though... That I think that we have to be mindful of candidates like this who came out as like against Trump and then yeah. they're like, now I'm a Democrat. Like this is sort yes. of like this. It's a very this, is, like, this, this is a warning Giuliani, in, yes. in the world of like why I'm telling you to not give a fuck about no labels. This is why I'm telling you yeah. to not fuck around with the Lincoln Project. Like because there's Democrats out there who will think that it's pretty cool to vote for Michael Cohen because he really took it to Trump. And we have to be, we have to watch ourselves. Right. We, can, we can't get, like, and again, I'm not worried about him. But, like, there, also, there will be candidates who are, like, yes. very center of the road, who were maybe once Republicans. It's like they're if all Mike on, Schmidt is running They're all on MSNBC district. right now, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, think about, what's her name, you know. Who George Conway you know, runs in your right. district if, like, right. any of these people. Right, and you'll be like, oh, God, they're just, that's exactly the type of person that we need. And Navarro is Middle of the district. road person who, like, knew that Trump was bad, as if, like, that took some sort of genius right. to have that revelation. Like, we gotta, we gotta watch the Michael Cohens of the world. Yes. Oh, totally agree. I think also, though, if you are Michael Cohen and you are announcing that you are going to run, if you are one of the Michael Cohens of the world and you're announcing <laughs> that you're going to run for office in any district... Yeah. The first disqualifying thing about this is just that this couldn't be a dumber district to have had that announcement happen. <laughs> Literally true. any other district in New York City would be better than this. Yeah, and that, not that because makes sense. not yeah. because I think that Jerry Nadler is infallible or you know, yeah. Jerry Nadler is is going to retire soon, I would assume. Yeah. Jerry Nadler is, you know, he's sort of an institution in New York City, yeah. but he's it's not like no one could ever beat Jerry Nadler. Yeah. There are New Yorkers who probably could beat Jerry Nadler if they, you know, if if it was the right time yeah. and the right kind, you know. That's not Michael Cohen. Though. It's Michael Cohen <laughs> is like it's that's like announcing you're going on a mission to the moon. Like it has nothing to do with anything. This is an irrelevant conversation to be having. I agree. And there's something so funny about just even announcing something this delusional in public yeah. that that is disqualifying in and of itself. Yeah. Let, you know, I, not that I worry about this as a challenge. No, I, I don't either. Yeah. But like just what a level of well, silliness. We just got to keep our eyes open. I agree. And also this is the kind of time that the Bloombergs of the world sneak up on you. That's 100% right, yes. And so it's not just people who were once in bed with Trump and whatever. It's the yeah. kind of time that nefarious rich people who have a lot of money to convince you that they believe whatever very specific thing you believe on gun control is that, you know, right, whatever, right. like for them to sneak in and out of yeah. the, you know, like don't fall for any level of this. No. Whether agreed. or not they come from Trump world. But obviously don't vote for anyone in Trump world. <laughs> no. There's like literally 300 million people. Like you don't have to vote for no. anyone in Trump no. world. I agree. Yeah. 
Oh my God, Carrie Lake is run, gonna run for Arizona Senate. Yes, yes. What a world. What a race this is gonna be. Right. She still, by the way, has not conceded her loss in the governor's race. <laughs> so this is really just she's just adding victories for herself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, she's definitely gonna win this election too. Oh yeah, she's gonna win every Regardless election she runs. Regardless of the, in. the actual outcome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is going to be the wackiest race in Arizona, in a state that I know does not hurt for wacky races. No. It's very because you have to remember this is going to be a three three way yeah. race because you have Ruben Gallego who's in Congress right now he's running as a Democrat and Kirsten Cinema has changed parties she's an independent we don't know how she's going to run yet seems like she might be running on the no labels ticket which is interesting um, because they are probably they're gonna not be spoilers on the, though Brent don't worry about it no I know <laughs> but they're probably going to be on the ballot because you know the Democrats in a completely non fascist way sued to get them off of the ballot. I yeah. love that. I love that Democrats are the you know the party of uh, democracy and voting and rights. But they will su- they will sue anybody to not have you on the ballot. That's right. The Green Party, the No Labels Party, doesn't matter. Uh, any specific human that they don't like being on the ballot. That's right. If they don't want you, they are happy to be litigious about it. That's right. Um, but democracy is so fun. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they lost that. So it seems like <laughs> No Labels is probably going to be on the ballot. It seems like that's probably what Kirsten Cinema is going to do. But it's going to be weird because like. There's some polling out of there right now, and cinema actually, Gallego runs better in a three-way race with cinema because she peels more Republicans yeah. away than she does Democrats, which makes perfect sense. But yeah. I guess I was sort of surprised to see that reflected in polling because, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, shit, there's somebody who has been a Democrat, even though, like, right. famously is not one. Right. But has cinema. the name recognition. That has the, has has the name the recognition. Brand recognition. So I was sort of like, this seems like a perfect recipe for the Republican to win there, which would be unfortunate. But like, also, what are you going to do? Not run a Democrat, right? right. Uh, so, but that's not what's happening. No. Like, the, it's Gallego in a way. It's Gallego in a landslide and cinema in third place when there's a three way race. Well, what she's done in a really impressive way <laughs> is peeled away the support of literally anyone reasonable of right. either party. Well, and become one of the most unlikable people in the entire country. That's right. Politician or otherwise. That's right. Just of any, she's just a celebrity people hate. <laughs> that's, that's it. And yeah. she's managed to do that piece by piece and yeah. <laughs> quietly, I would say. Yeah. You know, she's, she's like enemy number two in the Senate, so you forget about her until you remember that she's <laughs> enemy number two of two. Right. Um, I think it'll be interesting with Lake in there, though, if she does get the nomination, which she probably will. <clears throat> I do feel like her being the Republican nominee probably does help cinema a little bit yeah. because, like, she's so crazy that then you probably are able to peel more Republicans right. but you off cannot, in that world. But there is no but world in which actual Democrats Democrat are voting for her, for her anymore. I completely agree. And so instead, yeah. you have two people competing to split the Republican and Independent vote. Right, I and agree. That, that means in a three-way race, Democrats. that's the whole Democratic right. vote yeah. goes to And Because certainly no Democrat is going to vote for Carrie Lake. Yeah. I mean... And listen, if it starts to look like a landslide, I have one simple request. Stop fucking emailing me. <laughs> Ruben Gallego has been emailing oh, me 100 times a day. I know. And I texting and everything. Text, I don't uh, yeah. live in Arizona. I know. I'm not donating to out-of-state Senate campaigns at this time. Yeah. I will find you if I I'm in, the, I will come to you if I I'm know. interested. I think I texted you at one point this week that like my stopping to quit Is, was like fueling me through the day. Yeah. Like just when I I'm think just, I'm about to give up on life. That's right. I get another text from somebody. Stop to quit right Stop away. to quit and then I'm able to move forward right. with my day. Have you noticed that people have started sending stop to stop texts? Oh, no. Like they're trying to mind game us out of town oh. because it's like I just instinctively am like stop to quit. Um, or, you know, 
Oh, oh, I see. Oh, and interesting. They're changing up the. the they're changing, changing the up the lingo so that you can't remember what's are. going on. Of course they are. It's so rude. Um, I think it also. I think if she is on the ballot for the Senate, that probably helps Biden a little bit in yeah. Arizona, which is always close because I think he can just dust off the old, you know, ultra MAGA playbook that yeah. he's already used before and worked. And I think it probably actually does work yeah. to a certain degree. I in mean, Arizona. it's kind of like lame and boring, but I mean, once Carrie Lake is on the ballot, like use whatever works. Exactly. Like, you know, you're, you're about to enter a media cycle that is nothing but crazy wackadoo statements yeah. and, you know, yeah. like photos of somebody looking yeah, insane. totally. So, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, <clears throat> speaking of elections, we... We had, as you might remember, an election in 2020 that is has been under a little bit of a microscope of late. Yeah. Because Talked a lot about it last week. We have a podcast. three-time indicted, uh, twice impeached president yeah. on the line, potentially running again for election for re-election. Um, and we, as I have been hoping and praying this would all work out, um, we have been sort of having like weekly drops of indictment-related yes. news that just keeps it kind of simmering on uh-huh. in the background so that every week you think to yourself, oh, new news. And then you're like, oh, remember those indictments, though? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what happens in a week. This week has been nothing but hilarious videos of people at the Iowa State Fair. And yet, <laughs> right. there's always a new drop. And they try to drop them at funny times, but because every single drop in a Trump indictment case is both obscene and hilarious. I was going to say, it doesn't matter when it happens. It doesn't matter when it happens. We're do it out. on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Do it on a Saturday. Do it Sunday at noon. It, whatever yeah. you choose as a drop point for the drop is a time that I will pick up the news yeah. and run with it. Uh, we got word of this memo that was mentioned in the indictment, but now we sort of like know what it is. And it's yeah. the first time, essentially, that Kenneth Cheeseborough, who was one of the co-conspirators, right? right? We know that there were six co-conspirators. In late 2020, it's the first time that he detailed this description of a plan to use fake slates of pro-Trump electors that then Mike Pence would open up and vote. It's basically yeah. sort of like the first, like, here's a cockamamie idea that maybe we should or shouldn't do. And he yeah. even himself says, I think right. at one point, I'm not necessarily advising this course of action, but it was just crazy enough to the rest of the Trump team. Like, Rudy Giuliani saw this and was like, was well, like a dream, that's it. A dream <laughs> right. scenario. We, we figured it out. <laughs> yeah. In the indictment, it's referred to as the fraudulent elector memo. <laughs> sure. Because it's about, it's basically a memo about knowingly choosing to bring fraudulent electors in and trying to overturn the vote on the basis of fraudulent electors. <laughs> right. It's their plan to do a, known, a knowingly illegal thing. Right. It's, it's the thing that it's, they tried it's to the do. thing that allows us to know that they knew that they were trying to overturn, you yeah. know, a fair election. Exactly. Essentially. Because they admit it in this memo. This right. Is, so often you find out, not you find evidence in a Trump case that's not just like, it seems like if we interpret this to mean, you know, in a common sense way, Donald Trump knew that whatever, but it's just like, it'll be like him announcing that he's doing something illegal on a videotape for some reason. You know, like, there's always like, there's so much like random just like admission of criming going on that you kind of like lose a little perspective where you read a memo like this and you're like, wait a minute, is this <laughs> a real thing written by real people? Yeah. Are they just admitting that they know that they were about to embark on an illegal course of action? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, that's what they did. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love my favorite part of it was that the memo recommends launching a messaging effort that presents the plan as a quote, routine measure. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what the memo, you know, 
he, as he says, I'm not necessarily advising this course of, ac of action. And he acknowledges that the Supreme Court would likely end up ruling uh, to certify the real election results. So it was always going to be a failure, no matter what. Right. But he said, letting matters play out in this way would guarantee that public attention would be riveted <laughs> on the evidence by, of electoral abuses by the Democrats and would also buy the Trump campaign more time to win litigation that would deprive Biden of electoral votes and or add to Trump's column. So basically, it's like a... He was advising this scam as like right. an illegal holding tactic. Yeah. But in the process of admitting that, he is essentially admitting that he knows that this is both not a legal thing to do and isn't going to work. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so. These people. I mean, creative thinkers. Sure. You know, sometimes you're like, I wish people would think bigger about things. You they know, were not having that problem. They were not. That. And this really goes to show you why it's why it's sometimes good that people aren't thinking as big as they could. <laughs> Seems like he could have, I don't know, maybe done better as the actual president with thinking like this. Yeah, I mean, it seems like every president could be he thinking. Kept claiming, he kept claiming that he was going to be able to do a lot of things that were going to be easy. Remember when right. he was going to solve health care? Because yeah, that no, was easy. a simple problem. Right? It was super, yeah. like, there was no reason why he just like, couldn't solve yeah. health care. Peace in the Middle East was also going to just come right, quick and easy under his administration. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, he had some big thoughts at the time. They weren't relevant or practical <laughs> in any way. Like, it's like context matters, too. Yeah, that's Like, true. are your big thoughts, like, effective big thoughts? Mm -hmm. Or are you just brainstorming and saying that brainstorm out loud to the American people? Yeah. A lot of the time, the Trump team is just brainstorming aloud in a yeah. very free fashion. Yeah, well, this is why we got told to, you know, drink Clorox. <laughs> exactly. He was just thinking a bit just about thinking. what could solve this. <laughs> just thinking big. Yeah. Um, oh boy! But listen, they're not the only people bad at politics. I was gonna say we need we need big we need thinking big right thinking now from somebody from anybody. Yeah, God, we have it's a lot. Not, it's not coming from the current administration. It is not. And in fact, if you wonder to yourself, is it smart to have coined the term Bidenomics because listen. of the moment of Bidenomics that we're in? Listen, every week is another indication <sighs> that it was not because I know Bidenomics is now going to be the kind of economics where everyone loses their right. Healthcare. Fifteen million people lose their yeah. health care. So basically, you know. Four million people have been cut from Medicaid in the last three months, and most of them lost their insurance over just like dumb paperwork issues. Right. It's likely that up to 15 million people are going right. to be in this boat. And that is because in 2020, when we were in the middle of the pandemic, Congress ordered that states halt requirements that Medicaid enrollees renew every year. Yeah. Um, so that way people just like who were already on Medicaid just like stayed on Medicaid for that whole yeah. time. And that... Um, meant, you know, the program really swelled because people were not being tossed out over forgetting to file their paperwork or dumb right. shit like or that every year. Or to. just being right. required yeah, to, exactly. exactly. Um, and so, you know, by the end of this, one in four Americans was insured by this program. Now, yeah. I already take some issue with this just because if one in four Americans qualifies for Medicaid, a program that is meant for then poor and vulnerable Americans, is already not working. Bionomics has already been a failure. <laughs> yeah. It's already we're in a bad situation where one in four Americans is basically like living below the poverty line. That's right. And yeah. by the, the requirements are like actually pretty stringent, even in a world in which like if you live in a high cost of living state, you don't qualify for Medicaid doesn't matter if you can't qualify for housing or any other of the basic necessities <laughs> of life. But, like, we're still talking about a means-tested program yeah, that is being sure. means-tested according to only the lowest of means. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, in April, as part of ending all the COVID protections, Congress ended this, pro you know, this requirement that um, the public health emergency was going to be over, and so states could start going through their Medicaid rules and requiring everyone to constantly re-enroll. And... 
some states that may not surprise you really went ahead with that. So yep. Florida has kicked more than 400,000 people off Medicaid in the first three months of not being, you know, of, of no longer having these yeah. protections. Oh, yeah. As soon as... Like as soon as this happened. Right. As soon as this happened, all of the states that you would expect basically went through their Medicaid rules and, just kicked and started off. immediately. It was just sort of like, yeah. peace out. Right. Like, you don't have health care anymore. Children, you know, Doesn't elderly matter. people, yeah. it didn't fucking matter who yeah. it was. Texas yeah. has already dropped more than half a million people yeah. in a single month. Um, most of them cut off for not for um, not submitting required paperwork. So not people who don't qualify, people right. who are literally getting tossed off because they have right. not because they haven't had to do it for had four to, years for, for three four years. years. Right. So they don't realize they have to file paperwork. And I'm sure there was no messaging done of by not. certainly not by the state, but probably no, not by pretty the federal poorly government by the federal either. government. Exactly. Also, if I had to guess. Well, especially because the requirements slightly differ from state to state. Right. Some states expanded Medicare and some didn't. Right. Like there are so many reasons that the federal government wouldn't even be the it should be but wouldn't even be the appropriate mechanism for right, doing this messaging what, right, yeah like arkansas well, and also the federal government is so deeply obsessed with the messaging that COVID is over which is hilarious exactly. since very right COVID now it's is, not but couldn't like, be less over right that's now, why yeah. this is happening right now anyway because exactly. the emergency measures are over and they're you know certainly gladly you know touting that the emergency measures right. are over and COVID being great and wonderful and that we've solved that problem. That's why we had to kick 300,000 people off of Medicaid in Arkansas and 108,000 of, of those being children. children. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, just because of progress. We just needed to, we needed to progress back to an era yeah. where fewer people had health insurance yeah. and we were in a constant state of financial crisis. And it's perfect and, timing. Uh, right. Because COVID is surging. COVID is surging. Um, and it's expected to surge through the fall and winter. Right. Well, it's election season. Right. So and now people don't have health care. A perfect time to kick everyone off their health care. Which was the reason that we put this specific plan into place anyway, to allow people to be on it easily and not have to right. <laughs> do their paperwork. Yeah. So basically, Bidenomics and, is just going to be the time that everyone got poor and died of preventable health concerns. <clears throat> right. And they knew this was coming, yeah. obviously. Right. They, they, they were the ones who ended the protections. Right. That came, like, this is... If there was ever, listen, everyone's sick of being in a pandemic. Nobody sure. loved that part. Yeah. I feel like the people who loved it least from a messaging perspective were mm -hmm. rich people who wanted us back in our places of work to make them money. Yeah. And that that's who this kind of thing serves. So like the, you know, when, when we talk about there being all this political pressure to like get over the pandemic, yeah. I think a lot of people who are in vulnerable situations would actually be quite receptive to messaging that we should continue to take some precautions. Like, I know we're all sick yeah, of it. Yeah, right, yeah. But like a lot of pe people who work in, you know, essential, you know, essential workers who work in sectors where there's not already a lot of workplace safety requirements in place would probably not mind if we continued to think about how to protect them from this. Yeah. And if we continued to provide health coverage to them as they're working at exploitive wages. And like right. people in the medical sector might be sick of wearing a mask but probably also are at this point sick of being chronically ill like right. i think that there were ways to make regular people receptive to continued protections that would have benefited the vast majority of people and some of those protections being that we continue to promote programs that keep give everyone access to care like this yeah. this sort of like um, the way that the Biden administration and the way that I think, you know, a lot of Democrats have embraced the idea that people needed the pandemic to be over yeah. in a way that is actually serving businesses and is not serving us totally. is wild to me. Yep. Because people will just believe what you tell them about public health. <laughs> they're not public health experts. No, they don't fucking not. know what the problem is. No. And they also don't 
they know inherently that things aren't safe right now. They're just choosing to ignore it because you told them they could, basically. Yeah. But, like, they are aware that everyone around them has COVID right now because everyone is aware of that because everyone around everyone has COVID. Like, everyone who went to a Taylor Swift concert last week has COVID. The whole Uh, of Taylor Swift fandom currently is going to be suffering from brain fog for the next three months. So, like, get ready for some wild conspiracy theories from them. (laughs) But, like, this... Everyone knows on some practical level that this is not over. And the the idea that we, like, have to kick people off their health insurance to move on... To prove that it is. To prove that it is, is not meant to serve you. Don't fall for that messaging. No. I know that you think that we're reactionary about COVID and that we're constantly obsessed with this thing that you would like to forget about. But, like, actually, this is, like, why it's not a good idea to decide that something that is a clear public health threat is just, like, over for no reason. It's not serving who you think it's serving. No, it's definitely not. Um, Um, I have emergencies. I have a major rant that I want to go on here. Do it. So, you know, Maui burned down this week. Which is... Terrible. Like people crash. having to like jump into people the ocean. Lost, to... People having to jump into oh the my ocean. God. Brent sent the, me... A poor uh, white woman almost lost her Rolex. Yes, I don't no, know I mean, if you saw that I reporting sure in the did. New York Times. So tragedy. that was tragic. Brent sent me a tragic. very exciting Washington Post uh, editorial about how it shouldn't be your first choice to jump into the ocean no, in a mass fire. Right. <laughs> right. Washington like, Post also okay. who brought us the story about humans being able to um, Just get sand, used right. to the, uh, the heat. Yeah. 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 They're so, biohacking right. over at the Washington right. Post. So we've been talking a lot about climate, obviously, yeah. right? We had the fires this week. It's been hot. The, there's a lot of, you know, we're now talking about the uh, all of the the temperature of the oceans is going crazy. Yeah. And so now there's going to be different, the hurricane season might be insane. So we're talking about climate, right? So people have been asking Joe Biden if maybe he might want to declare a climate emergency. Right. And a climate emergency is like actually an official thing. It's sort of like when you de- when the when the government declares an emergency, it sort of like allows them to sort of like do specific things. Right, take some action. A, right, and there's been a lot of reporting and like studies done by like, you know, smart people as to like what that would be able to allow him to do if he actually declared a climate emergency. He could halt crude oil exports, he could stop oil and gas drilling in the Outer Continental Shelf, he could restrict international trade and private investments in fossil fuels. He could do a lot of things. So he got asked about it this week, and he said, well, we practically declared one. And then he went on to say, we passed the 386 billion climate control facility, which is in regards to that money that was in the the Inflation Reduction Act. And the reason that he hasn't officially declared a climate emergency is because he doesn't want he doesn't want to of course all of those things that i said that declaring a climate emergency would allow him to do he's actively doing the opposite of right right expanding oil and gas he doesn't want to halt crude oil exports or exports he doesn't want to stop oil and gas drilling in the outer shelf or anywhere right he wants more of it he's given more leases to drill for oil and gas than donald trump has right that's a real fact yeah and so I just, it's so upsetting because, you know, listen, that $368 billion is over a decade. We have, we spent three times that on the military budget just for this year, who's like right. obviously the worst emitter of, right. you know, any carbon is our, the U.S. military. And <clears throat> also that bill was a giveaway to go oil and gas because it sort of like, we talked about it on this podcast, it had it assured availability for drilling and leasing because they needed Joe Manchin's vote on it. And that's the only way that that was going to get done. And he's been approving shit like the Willow Project and God knows what else to for drilling. 
And I just feel like it's so disingenuous to him of him to go around and be like, well, we almost declared a climate emergency because what the fuck does that mean? And I think almost doing something is not doing something, by the way. (laughs) And also, and this is the thing, and we talked about this on the podcast because it's been a year now. And there's something insidious to this response also. And we do it on a bunch of stuff outside of climate. But you do a half measure or a quarter measure And I said, I was concerned at the time that this was going to allow them to go around and be like, well, we did climate. Right. Congratulations to us. We solved it. We fixed climate. We did this big climate bill. You're welcome. Good. And now we never have to do a climate bill again. Of every activist who works on this issue smiling at the White House, which is what they do every time that they pass a meager bill about nothing. Right. I mean, that bill needed to be like a hundred times more than that. Right. They have sent more. You know, we're going to talk about Ukraine in a second. And like whatever you think about Ukraine, we have sent more money to them than we spent on this climate bill over the span of the last year. Yeah. On a war, which, again, is not great for the climate. Right. (laughs) Famously bad. Famously bad. Climate climate. action. So like we have got to hold him accountable for this because like I am what I'm not going to do is be able to listen to him for the next year talking about how he's the best climate president that we've ever had in the history of this nation. Well, he's going to get ready. I know. Because that's what you will be doing. I know. You will be listening for the next full year as he tells you about his great climate crap. I can't. I can't do it. No, I know. Well, and this is, I mean, we were talking about this at the top of the podcast, but this is what they're doing on every issue that matters to people. Yeah. This is what moderation gets you. Yeah. It gets you nowhere. It gets you slightly less pollution than brazen pollution would get you. I would contend that if this is your main climate bill and the only one that you'll be able to get passed over the next decade, there's part of me that almost thinks you'd have been better off not to do it and try and get something bigger at some point when maybe you were able to get it done. I mean, maybe that's a ridiculous thing to say, but like, if you are now going to just like pretend like you've done it, then that's a big problem. Because you well, didn't, it's also, in fact, do it. It's, it's brazenly disingenuous in a way that is going to force activists to discredit themselves to support the Biden administration. Because, of course, they can't support the Trump administration. Yeah. But they do this a lot where they ask activists who fucking know this is a dumb bill yeah. and know that this should have been better yeah. to, 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 you know, to ruin their own credibility by advocating for Biden because they're so scared about what a Trump presidency would mean. Right. And I don't blame them for no, that. No, of course. I don't either. I, you know, that's what, what are you going to do? But I mean, like, what they do is they take the entire climate movement and strangle their ability to do anything right. by making this claim. Yeah. And I feel frustrated about that as well because I... I feel like, it, you know, and this is something that like moderate democratic politics does a lot. And, I, you know, so does far left democratic politics. We complain yeah. all the time about the squad not going far enough, too. I get that this yeah. is like part of the conversation of politics. But I, I feel very frustrated when, you know, administrations that have not made even mediocre progress on critical issues of our day. Like, what are they going to do? They're going to be mad that young people aren't interested. But this is so brazenly like incorrect that he's the greatest, also being the greatest climate president is like being the most liberal voter in the Senate. It means nothing. <laughs> it it's, mean you know, Kamala Harris used to say that all the time about herself. And I was like, you don't vote on anything in there. Say, there's nothing, Who cares? Nothing liberal is there's getting nothing, brought to your attention no, to vote on. Right? Having the most liberal voting record in the Senate means nothing. But like, you know, they, they kind of use these talking points, but like they're disingenuous enough that 
you know, people see through them. And yeah. especially people that care deeply about this issue. And who cares deeply about all these issues that they're flubbing on? Yeah. It's young voters. Young it's voters. the voters who are going to be, and then young voters are going to get blamed when they don't show up. But it's like you have to ask them to show up. Yeah. And this is not a successful way to ask them to show no. up. And, and on top of that, you're going to let them just like roast their own best chances, their, their, their most important advocates on this issue in order to like support your, you know, campaign. Know. And, and so you're basically, everyone who's a leader on this issue is going to lose credibility with the people that matter to them on your behalf. And then you're not going to do anything. <laughs> right. Which yeah. is, I think, that's the reproductive justice story all fully tied up and told. You know? Yes. All of these reproductive justice advocates had to go out on a limb and basically say that they wholeheartedly supported Joe Biden, a person who has famously not been in favor of anyone's abortion rights ever in his life, in order to like not, you know, be supporting Donald Trump. And, you know, I get that's politics or whatever. But like those people are people that lost my trust because they they led me to a president who has not taken one single action to resist, you know, some of the changes to my rights that have happened under his administration. Right. So, like, this is, like, the same problem. And then they're going to wonder why young people and people who care about climate, which should be everybody, yeah. aren't pumped for a Joe Biden candidacy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Meanwhile, also, I think what this, you know, conversation about our war spending in Ukraine is about is not really about, listen, I, I don't know. I don't understand the Ukraine situation well enough to tell you whether this money is needed or not. What I do know is that it provides some context for money we're not spending on other things. A hundred percent. And it also, you know, I think what's frustrating also about this, you know, there was just a big um, story in The Intercept about this actually recently where they were talking about, you know, it's Democrats who have really been pushing back at having any sort of oversight of where this money is going. Right. Because like they think that it's all just like, you know, going to Zelensky's, you know, I don't know, personal pocketbook and we all trust him and are, you know, like just to do whatever with it that he's going to do. Right. But like we know that money of this amount which is a lot by the way it's like more in the last year that we spent on like the reconstruction in afghanistan for like 12 years essentially and we had a special it was called cigar or cigar however you want to say it special in uh it was the special inspector general for afghanistan reconstruction where they assigned an inspector general and they were like follow this money make Mm -hmm. sure this money is being spent see where it goes what's happening with it and listen you know, the GOP is disingenuous on this as well, right? Like, I mean, they are not, like, trustworthy actors when it comes to this, even though they're sort of, like, pretending now to be, like, some sort of, like, anti-war people, which is sort of, like, that's not so wild. that's not what this what is. What a wild world right. we're living and in. And the reason that they have wanted to put a inspector general on this is because they want to, you know, find out something nefarious is happening and they want to pull one over on the Biden right. administration. And I understand that nobody... They want to Benghazi it. Uh, right. I get it. Right. But like this amount of money that we are blindly sending over there seems like it should have accounting. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I think it's fair of us to be like, hey, what did this latest batch of $21 billion, which is what, you know... Uh, most experts say would solve the homeless crisis in America, $20 billion. Uh, Where'd that go and what did that do? I think that's a fair question to ask. And it's odd to me that it would be the Democrats who would be like, we're not going to do that. Yeah. No, and I mean, we're talking, like, also, you know. know, And like, fuck Marjorie Taylor Greene. I get it. You know, like, um, because she's the one who's like out there, like, you know, rattling him on. Right. And we know that's disingenuous. Of course. But 
in the same way that she's the reason she's able to ask the question is because it is a question that is okay to ask. It's not okay to, right. you know, it, because listen, if I'm I'm happy to have anyone be scandalized that the U.S. military is misspending funds on something. Like, oh yeah, I, for sure. If the Republicans want to be scandalized about that, I more power to yeah, them. Let's all be scandalized. Let's all be about scandalized that. about that. Yeah. It's I you know I I understand like the way that we can prevent them from stealing the me- momentum of this issue is by being scandalized ourselves. <laughs> right. So. If there's misdeeds out there, let's own them. Yeah. You know, instead of feeling yeah. like we inst- we're somehow ceding the idea of accountability for huge amounts of money. Yeah. To and I think the Democrats have to be mindful of this messaging also because yes. the the polling on this goes down every time yeah. in, in favor of sending Ukraine weapons. It's uh, it goes to, you know it was sixty percent this time last year and it's forty eight percent now. So like this is gonna this was a winner. For Democrats for a while because everybody was like right. very anti-Russia up, yeah. and like I think I think everyone still ultimately is but it seems like it has dragged on in a way and like untold you know sums of money have gone out the door blindly without you know I mean also so there is no one in America that wants to be caught in another endless war we have tried it yeah we did it for years yeah and the the sort of the the winning campaign messaging for years has been about getting us out of the Iraq war, getting us out of, like, it has been winning messaging with all of America to just get us out of whatever dumb quagmire we're in. Donald Trump rose on the back of getting out of of Iraq. Like, every political figure that is currently in operation right now rose on the back of opposing an endless stream of funds just going to random ass wars. Right. That, by the way, is that's how we got... President Barack Obama. That's how we got President Barack. That's that is why People we've never had a Hillary a Clinton presidency. Right, by the way, exactly. like this is all about whether we supported just funding endless wars for the rest of time. Yeah. And this, I know that this is a different situation. I know, right. like I, I I understand the difference here. But yeah. I also think that in terms of political messaging, yeah. you know, to be the people that are on the side of endless war funding is a politically complicated position to be in in this moment in America, and yeah. to not be sort of like cognizant of that fact and to be spending this kind of money on Ukraine when we're you know this the the sort of the emergency defense aid package that Biden is requesting right now it's a 40 million dollar or 40 billion dollar package but and some of it goes to you know disaster funds for the climate season yeah yeah but less of it goes to that than goes to Ukraine right and like we just watched Maui burn to the ground yeah like we we all know someone who's been touched by the climate change yeah. crises, you know, the crises that are occurring yeah. in the U.S. So, like, something about just, like, the messaging of the math is also weird. Totally. Well, I've seen that from a lot of, again, Republicans who are terrible. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm going to just stop qualifying it at this point. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, like, you know, where they are saying exactly that, you know, like, America's burning and we've got a $40 billion and I'm sending supposed sending money to send out the you. door. Right, exactly. And the amount of and money like, we're sending out the door is the amount that right. solves the homeless crisis. That's something the left could be seizing on, right. but we're afraid to say it because it's coming from our own, and to, the calls and coming from inside to, the house. And to seed that, like... To like, the GOP? To, right, an anti-war message. The warmongeriest people of all time? That's a... The people that started the fucking Iraq war? Yeah. Get real! I know, it's that's, wild. This is the party of George W. Bush! <laughs> I know. Like I, that's infuriating. <sighs> yeah. Same. Um, so I looked up what was going on with the Hunter Biden situation because we just keep hearing about it. Yeah. And the last time Brent casually dropped notice that he wanted me to look it up because he didn't want to look it up himself, yeah. I didn't look it up either, and instead we just ignored it. 
And that's yeah. fine. Also, by the way, this is a dumb issue. Um, but this week we got uh, notice that there's going to be a special counsel to deal yes, with the a Trump hunter, appointee. A Trump appointed. David Weiss. David Weiss. Um, I mean, Merrick Garland announced it. It's through the DOJ. Yeah. But yeah, right, yeah, they've yeah, appointed yeah. a special counsel because there's a probe going on. And I was kind of like, why? What? Why? And so I did the most basic of looking into what's going on. And basically, this is just a messy situation where a plea deal plea deal fell apart that is related to failure to pay income taxes, an issue yeah. that every Republican is guilty of. <laughs> and also, it's like, I arrest him then. I don't fucking care. Yeah. Do whatever you want. I, right. I, where this frustrates me is me having to read about it. Yeah. I'm happy to have Hunter Biden pay for his crimes. Uh, sure. I have no, yes, there's no love sure. lost between me and Hunter Biden. No. But I, the idea, I think, you know, once I finally looked into the case and it's just a dumb yeah. disagreement about a plea deal that I don't care about and is, does not rise to the level of the things it's meant to deflect from. Yeah. I was just sort of like this, the idea of spinning this as a Biden family cover up when it's like a dumb income tax case doesn't even rise to the level of chaos that the first Trump indictment offers. Right. This is distracting us from real criming. I agree. Yes. This is just privileged rich people criming. <laughs> right. It has yeah. Hunter Biden is a mess. He's been a mess forever. I didn't need to see pornographic images of him. I don't need no. to know about his income tax situation. Pay, make him pay penalties. I don't fucking care. Yeah. They're rich people. They can deal with it. Yeah. This is all. Every moment that you hear about this in the news is a moment that is meant to distract you from the fact yeah. that the former president of the United States and current candidate for president right. has been indicted now three times on quite serious charges right. that make this charge look like silliness squared. Right. And that's yeah. all that you really need to know about this. I completely agree. What I still want to know is that I want to know without having to ask Marjorie Taylor Greene herself to be on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I want to know what she thinks is happening here. Oh, yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, Because I feel like there's this yes. huge... Yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's a conspiracy going on within the far right about how this... I think involves somehow like Hunter Biden and like I think Ukraine I is somehow involved, involved right? Yeah. Because was he was on like the board of some oh, yes. like right? yeah Ukraine is and definitely then, involved. Like, and then Biden was some I think some ex friend of Hunter's like claimed on that the Biden was on the phone or something and there's the right stuff on the laptop. Like that's what I want to know. You're no. right. This specific thing is not that. No. No. But but I, I want somebody yes. to... T because I have a feeling it's probably interesting. Oh, I... It'll be stupid, obviously. Yeah, obviously. And ridiculous. But it'll probably be hilarious. Yeah. No, I... You're right. That's the real story here. That's what I want How somebody to explain to me. the full conspiracy laid right? out? And I don't think anybody on the left really knows. No, be and I'll tell you why. And good, because they should It's boring and dumb. <laughs> I was going to say. But, yeah, I... Right. Because I There has I to be like... some reporter following... The, the QAnon spheres of yes, the world yes. who could tell us because what it is that they think so is So many puzzling things have happened in relation to Hunter Biden that I can't connect in my brain. That I, Why I want, I want them did I have to see pornographic images of him? I actually don't know. I don't either. What happened on his laptop? No. I have not been paying attention. No. How is he connected to Ukraine? I've read a thousand stories about it and not retained one piece of information about right. it because of not caring at all. Yeah. And like... Aside from, what did they think that that voicemail of Joe Biden being a supportive and kind dad was telling us? Mm. Remember when they released that? And I was like, oh, why? Yeah. 
Do you keep yeah. just releasing propaganda for his greatness as a dad? That's <laughs> true. That who is that helping? Yeah. What message are you hoping we'll take from this? Yeah. I could not for the life of me Forgot figure out that. what that was supposed to mean. And like all of these things just keep cropping up in the news because they're meant to distract us from Donald Trump being like a literal criminal, you know, criming factory. Right. But like, how do they all connect? I don't know. If you are an expert in this matter, for any reason, even if you think it's real, call us. <laughs> right. We're happy to have you on to explain it. I, you're yeah. right. I would love to know the whole story. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, because every time I read an article about it, I'm like, I don't know why I care about this. Yeah. Like, no one has connected those dots yet. No. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and then oh in our constant uh, elder vigilantism that we're doing, <laughs> oh, shit. TMZ reported this week that Diane uh-huh. Feinstein tripped and fell on Tuesday and then had to go to the hospital. Don't worry. She's as fine as she was before, which is to say not very fine at all. But I just want to use this as an opportunity to remind all of us that we have now had three politicians trip and fall and have to go to the hospital. Oh, yeah. Some of which have had dire consequences. Because when old people trip and fall, it often is deadly. I know. So the fact that we're having to live on edge because not just Dianne Feinstein, but Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden have both tripped and fall, yeah. fallen recently mm-hmm. and had to receive medical care as a result. It's not something that we would have to worry about if there weren't, if everyone wasn't like an octogenarian. That's right. Like, that's... When a 45-year-old trips and falls, you're just like, oops, watch your step. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's what happens. Like, and you don't even have to be 45. If Cory Booker trips and falls, you're just like, be careful. Yeah. That's all that has to occur. Yeah. No one has to go to a hospital. No medical attention is required. Everyone just goes home and watches American Idol or whatever they're up to with their best friends who they invited over because it's a snowstorm or whatever Cory Booker does in his free time. Um, (laughs) But like this... The fact that we are having to get news reporting about three politicians in the last few weeks yeah. having to be rushed to the hospital because they tripped. And not, yeah. we're not talking about like they tripped and fell off of Niagara Falls or something. Like we're, These are just people who have done just... everyday tripping. <laughs> yeah. The kind of tripping you've already done today. And, they, yeah. and we're having to worry that the, that the American state will fall apart because three octogenarians and nonagenarians or whatever... Yeah. Are out here tripping. Yeah, like that's not great. Thankfully, um, somebody was there to make healthcare decisions for Diane uh, Feinstein because yes. she's um given power of attorney to her daughter. That's right. So a person who is not able to not make decisions age. for themselves right. is able to make decisions <laughs> for all of for us. you in the United States Senate. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, pretty cool. I also find this frustrating for a reason that's very unfair that oh. no one should quote me on, but I'm just going to use this okay. to air all of my grievances. Yeah, do. Um, so like, listen. It's nice that I don't have to worry about having to go to the hospital when I trip. Because yeah. I could also never afford to. 100%. Like, this is also, anytime an old person trips out of my view, I don't worry about it. And if, like, my own mother tripped and had to go to the hospital, I would drive her there myself and stay with her the whole time. Yeah, of course. Obviously. But when somebody who is charged with making decisions for me as a person who doesn't have power of attorney over her own self yeah. gets to go to the hospital because she's tripping, I'm just reminded of the fact that if I tripped quite dangerously on the sidewalk and actually did need medical attention, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't go to the hospital because of the cost. And I just feel like it's right. a, I don't know why that and distinction. You are, and you are 
paying for her. I am paying to go for her to the hospital, and I would be anyway because she's you know she's gonna have health insurance paid for us, and that's fine. But she should. Yes, of course. We should all have health insurance paid for all of us. Right. Yeah. The fact that I don't, while Diane Feinstein is getting to go to the ER when she trips, whereas I, even in my elder years, will probably have to think twice about whether I can afford to go to the ER for my tripping adventures. Yeah. Just makes me mad. Because she doesn't care that I, I won't have that protection when I'm 90 and serving in the no, Senate. she doesn't. You know, she's not, no one currently is doing anything about that problem. These mm -hmm. elder trippers have just proven how important healthcare is to the safety of everyone, you know, the health and safety yeah. of the people around them. Yeah, the elder trippers. trippers. The elder trippers. <laughs> and yet, I don't see them making healthcare decisions that suggest that they understand that the rest of us might trip when we're 80 also. Yeah. Anyway, that's... <sighs> that's the podcast. That's the podcast. That was a doozy of a podcast. Yeah, that was a doozy a of a podcast. One. That was a good yeah. one. We are. I feel like, you know, I feel like we spent a lot of time, at least toward the end, ragging on Joe Biden and ragging on Democrats. And, and I, I realized that, that we do that, and I think it was fair. You know, I saw somebody, I don't remember who it was, but say something on Twitter to the effect of it was like, you know, I'm punching to the right. So yes. Democrats should just stop standing there. Yes. And I'm not, and I get it. I'm not expecting Joe Biden to, like, be a socialist tomorrow. No. But, like, there are things that he could do where, like, I wouldn't have to lump him, you know, in with yeah. Republicans. It's also as all being of our roles to continue to ask him to do what well, we I need agree. him to do. I, I, you know, the people who are sort this of This like, is part of a conversation that yes. we are also in. Right. I think Democrats sometimes forget that right. they're in the conversation, well, they were all too. Excited, well, I was going to say, they were all excited that they got to go back to brunch after the last, last right. election. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, that's not really, you are always entitled to ask the Democrats to be acting right, even yes. when they are in power. Yes. <laughs> Especially, Especially, in fact, when they are in power. <laughs> right. But I feel like a lot of the time we get messaging that you know prioritizes unity over our right to participate in the conversation of politics. Yeah. And the th this is all part of a larger conversation. Like I think sometimes people forget that it like continues in the off cycle. Like oh, that, yeah. you know, part of your participation, is, uh, part of being an active citizen is that you get to just, you get to be disgruntled no, any time of year. Yeah. You don't just get, you don't have to just cede. It's a position of massive privilege to just cede everything to a Joe Biden-esque Democrat. Yeah. And then just tune out after that. That's yeah. not, and, and it is also, it is okay to always ask for what you would actually like. Yes. It's in fact imperative that you ask for what you would actually yes. like. So that we don't end up with Obamacare instead of single right. payer. Right, so they need to know. They need they to need, know. They need to be told. They need to be told. Yeah. And you're the only people who can tell them. Yeah. They're not going to be told by their donors. Certainly not. So in any case, they'll be told something by their donors. That's, but it'll be something that won't help you. One single. Their donors bit. are buying the political speech that you should be exercising. In yeah. any case, make trouble out there is what we're saying. Yeah. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.